Hey, it's your boy A Squared, Anwar Ahmed. Just want to give you guys a little disclaimer that this episode was recorded back in November, um, but we thought the insight was very important and wanted to share this uh, episode with you anyways. So we hope you enjoy. Like it's not about meditation is going to, isn't going to make your, how do I put it? It's not going to make your life directly better. It's going to make how you deal with life better. Mm. It's not like adversity goes away because you meditate. It's not like problems go away because you meditate. But when problems show up, who you show up to that problem does change. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Modern Masculinity Podcast, a space designed to help redefine what it means to be a powerful man in the modern era. I'm your co-host, CK. And I'm a squared. And today, we're going to be talking a little bit about mind, body, and soul. MBS. MBS, baby. But before we get into that, you always know what it is. Moochek! Hey, yo, 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 Coach Kyle. What's going on, <laughs> man? How you doing today? How you feeling? Feeling good. I'm fe- Honestly, I'm feeling really good. We were talking about this earlier. Watching the fight last night, that Mike Tyson fight was crazy. It was nice to crazy. see that man back in action. He's an animal. I'm at, when did you ever think you would see Mike Tyson in a ring? I, I can't I believe we got that. Not in our way. lifetime? No, absolutely Insane. not. So that was beautiful. Leading up to it was a little crazy. It was a little dramatic. But the whole fight itself, watching that man in action, he's the same way he was back in the day. From I mean, from my knowledge anyway, obviously he wasn't there. So up late watching that. But I feel good this morning. I feel like the sleep was powerful. Woke up, that sun was coming through the window. Got some rays of vitamin D on my body. And it just changes the game. And in Canada, almost December to be getting no snow in Toronto. Sunshine. Man, I oh. mean, there's a pandemic going on, but Mother Nature's giving us the, the vibes weather-wise. Absolutely, Sorry absolutely. Sorry for my friends in Winnipeg. I know it's <laughs> a bit tough. Out there. How are you, baby? How are you? I'm doing good. Like I feel inspired from that fight, too. You know, there's... The mindset of Mike Tyson, too. Like, not only the fighting part, what I took seriously was, like, when he was in the corner, just taking coaching. You know, sitting there, taking coaching, listening, in a mindset. Like, you're one of the best heavyweight fighters of all time, and you're just sitting there calm, listening to information that's being given to you, listening and trusting your system. Man, just inspiring. Just to be able to see Mike Tyson in his lifetime, you know, box, it's special that was it, a special moment it was special can't, you're right can't say the same for seeing nate robinson get knocked out though i did not that was not as inspiring that mm. took the wind out of my sails mm. i thought he looked unprepared mm. um and i think that was a good example of you know when you underestimate your competition a little bit and you and you don't take maybe coaching and you don't you know you don't commit to what you're saying you're gonna do it looks like that it that's what it looks like yeah it looks sloppy it wasn't the greatest of fights. No, it was not. And he took the worst of it. And he's taking it on the internet. That's for sure. Well, <laughs> he might be. He might be. <laughs> he's taking it on the internet. Uh, all right, folks. So today we're talking about mind, body, and soul. We're talking about how to take care of it, what we've done to take care of ours, what we still do today to do that, and kind of our journey with it a little bit. And even in the saying MBS, mind, body, and soul, you know, you think you start with the mind. But today, we kind of, you know what we're going to do? We're going to start with the body. Because body, from our experience, is usually where men start. They Definitely. start with the body. A square, why do you think that is? I think it's, it's, it's the masculinity, how it's been defined, right? It's kind of, we're here to redefine it. But I think traditionally how it's defined is with toughness, you know, being physically strong. And then the attraction of the opposite sex as well. I think that there's just a little bit more purpose in that space. You know, if you think about the different, the, the three different channels... There's, it's easy for me to find out my why and my purpose with the body part. You know, mm. I need to be tough. Girls will like me. There's just a lot of, there's a lot of alignment in trying to f- get into that, um, that space. And I think people, they gravitate there because they know exactly why they're there and what they're trying to get. And that they think it's going to tick some boxes for them. Um, and it, it does. It does tick some boxes. Did you do that? When no. you first got into working out, were you Not doing me. it to do that whole like traditional masculine ideal of what it means to be a man? Not me. I hated mm. working out. Loved sports, hated working out. Um, I was actually the opposite. I, just, I ruined my body, if anything. Mm. There was no self-care for my body. It was just how hard can I run this thing to the ground? And I actually still suffer from a little bit of patellar tendonitis in both my knees because of the damage early on. I didn't respect working out because to me, I kind of saw working out as if I worked out too hard, I'd be too sore to perform in sports. 
And I never understood that. Why would I do something that's going to put me backwards? I'm going to be sore and then I can't shoot the basketball mm. and I can't do this. So I never was attracted, but then I got really sick. Mm. And so health is why I ended up saying, oh, I need to take care of my body. I was injured. I had bad knees and that was really bothering me that it started piling up. Um, and then I had, a, I had a kidney failure, unfortunately, when I was about 19 years old. I was in the hospital for about six weeks Damn. with a kidney failure. And those are the two moments where I had to start respecting my body and understand that the vessel that I'm in, I got to start taking care of it or else it will break down. And so that's why I ended up getting back into the gym and dieting. And like, that's my journey there. But mm. I hated working out. Yeah, you got to get quick with the idea that this isn't just uh, a game. Like, oh, you yeah. got to take that seriously. And the doctors didn't know what was wrong with me. That was the scariest part. When you have professionals staring at you and you're 19 years old and you're showing up with something that is expected of people that are like, you know, north of 40 or, you know, a kidney, kidney shutting down. Scary. And they're asking me questions like, what have you eaten? And it was, that was where I kind of got the information from too. It's like, you're asking me certain questions because you're saying that these questions will lead me to an answer. And they're wondering, what am I eating? What was I doing physically? I'm like, man, these things must matter. Right. These things must matter. This is why you're trying to, how you're trying to diagnose me, figure out what's wrong with my body is like, what did you put in your body? That's when it clicked. Like, and I remember looking out, you know, and just saying to myself, if I ever can get out of here, I'm going to make sure I take care of my body. I'm going to make sure I take care of my body. But geez. Okay. Yeah. That was, that's, that's a wake up call for sure. So that, that's where I kind of got attracted to working out and stuff like that. But what about yourself? Did you, was your journey? I know you did bodybuilding, right? <laughs> Man had to you're, bring that up, didn't he? <laughs> you like, competed in stuff, so I'm not ashamed of it. I, I obviously poke fun at it, but you know, my journey was different in the sense that I fell in line with the traditional stereotypes for sure. And that was when I was about 19 years old. I finished playing soccer at that time. I wasn't really into sports anymore. I wasn't playing men's league, and I felt like I wasn't doing anything with my body, and I hated that. I needed to be active. I'd been playing sports since I was like a child. They were my thing, mm -hmm. and so. I was living on my own at the time and there was a gym down the street and I thought, you know what? You don't have any idea what you're doing in that space, but you know, you don't like the way you look, you know, you feel like you are a, a stick. So let's go, let's go do this. And sure enough, from then on, I loved it, fell in love with it so much that yes, I did compete in fitness competitions for bodybuilding. I did a physiques. I did it twice. The first one, I uh, didn't have any trainer. I didn't do anything. I was like, I got this. You got this. Don't even worry. I don't need a trainer. I'm independent. And that was a mistake, guys. That was a mistake. <laughs> However, I actually ended up finishing third. So I was actually pretty impressed with oh. myself. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, sorry. That's a lie. That first one was the fifth. The second one I did train for was third. Got it. Got yeah, it. Yeah. Crazy. But you know what? Getting into that world, you really realize uh, if you are like... Um, you just really realize that it's a specific world for a specific type of person. And for me, it just wasn't for me. As soon as I did that second competition, I realized that my body just wasn't worth the turmoil. I honestly, I did love it. I loved the diet. I loved the eating. I loved the training. I loved that, that I could focus on that. I did like that, mm -hmm. but I didn't like the reasons for why I was doing that. That's where I went wrong where it was very much to impress other people yeah, with my body. Get into some of those reasons. Why, why were you not, I realized that it was a, a competition to see who was most popular. It was a popularity contest. So at some level, it wasn't about any longer what your body looked like. It was about how popular you are with the people. And that's what will get you to win. And for me, it's not that I wasn't willing to become popular per se, but that's not why I got in it. Uh, I wanted to compete in something again. So that was... was the competitive nature. Yeah. And then I realized, yeah, like I said, it's just, it's for other people and it stops being for yourself and it just starts to feel empty. You, you win third, you win fifth and there's not really like a fulfillment there. Maybe if I won first, maybe it would have been different. I don't know. I can't say, but I started to recognize that I couldn't sustain it. Mm -hmm. And part of the process too, is you realize your body, it, is capable of a lot of things, but at some point it's going to need a little extra boost. And mm. that was, <laughs> that was another thing I was not willing to get into. I was not willing to boost my body. So yeah, yeah. I decided against it and I steered away, but I still kept up with fitness, still took care of my body, but it's still actually when I left that space, it was still like I was doing it for other people. 
Is it safe to say that like you're you're basically willing to put your you're willing to do whatever it takes to your body to even get that kind of appreciation from those people too? At that time, I think so. Yeah, because like people go so far, like your body is screaming, "I don't want to do this anymore," mm-hmm. and you're so in it. So then at that point, it's not even self care. And it's like, it's like self-destroy. Absolutely. You're 100% self-destroying. And with that space, it's, it's hilarious. When you start getting into it and you start getting the muscle, your world changes. So there, there's a component to the body, the taking care of the body where people recognize that for sure. But when you're in that age, age range, I was 19 to, I don't know, 23, 24. People pay attention to you. Mm. Like people are watching you now all of a sudden. And they're telling you how good you look and how like you you're putting in work and then they start to reach out to you to say hey can you support me in that space like everything changes from there it's very very crazy how fast it happens which is cool but then that plays into the popularity contest a little bit and it plays into your ego and your ego is like okay your body looks good to other people do you think your body looks good and part of the bodybuilding space is your body never really looks good enough it's always more there's always more to do there's always better to have and there's always this muscle that you're missing that that person had. There's always like a something that will defeat you, something that will self-deprecate you and tell you that you're not good enough. And that was the space I was in. So I had to really reframe that. Now I'm in a great place with it. I still work out. I still want to put on muscle. I still do. But I want to do it for myself. Mm-hmm. And I'm a little, not a little, I'm a lot less self-sabotaging when I look at myself in the mirror and say, you used to look like that because when I used to look like that, it wasn't for me. Mm-hmm. It was for other people. And you know what I'm hearing a lot of too is we're not here to tell you what program to go on or how to work out or what to do. Mm-mm. What I'm hearing a lot in like what you're saying is just what's your why behind why you're showing up to the gym? What's your intention? What's your intention? You know, and that's really, I feel like the space in terms of like the conversation that we're trying to have is there's so many different workout programs out there, whether you like hit, whether you like cross like CrossFit, whether you want to lift weights. There's so many different ways. There's not a one size fits all. You can't come in here and say, hey, I think you should do it this way. This is the most healthy way. No, there's different body types. But there's a healthy way to think about the gym. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's where the conversation is a little bit more interesting is how you think about the gym and who you're showing up for at the gym. Mm. Is it 100% for yourself? And are you doing things 100% for yourself? And then where I get a little bit sometimes in trouble is, I'll be working out and I'm not quite, I guess, the strength that I want to be at. So I'll start doing things that are a little bit too far out of my, out of my comfort zone because I'm trying to get to a place to get the attention. Right. And that's not, that's where I start to like have to rein it back. Like, listen, your knees can't do that yet. Yeah. It's like, (laughs) do you want to get stronger in this specific workout because you want to feel and feel stronger and know you can do it? Or did you just pick up the 90 pound weight because other people are watching you. The ego lifting is bad. I did it a lot. It's yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, and, and I'm no, no, sh- no shame. If you're, you know, listen, I'm not here to, there's no judgment. Do your thing. Lift as heavy or as light as you want, but, um, just be authentic with your, just be authentic with your stuff, man. Like just show up and work out how you want to work out for yourself. All this, like, I really, I don't know, man, like the, all the throwing the weights in the gym and the, the, the grunting and the like, all this, like, it just, raw, com- raw. It just comes back to what you're doing it for. Bro, what are we doing? Like, what is this? <laughs> why do you throw the weights down? Like, why are you, you know, why are you like staring people down? And like, mm. we don't need that. We don't need that. Go in there for yourself. Do your thing. Leave. Mm. So right now in, in your space, coming from challenges with your body and trying to decipher what to do and what's the right thing to do today, mm-hmm. 2020, November, what do you do today to take care of your body, whether it's nutrition, fitness, whatever? For me, I'm playing the long-term game now. I'm okay. not an athlete anymore. So like longevity is like the number one. When I think about anything in my fitness, it's all about longevity. So I start with pain first. Does my body have pain in it? Mm. If there's pain, we're addressing that. We're not going to move on to something. We're not going to move on to growing a muscle. If there's pain, we got to work our way back, fix the pain. Once my body feels pain free, now move on to the next step. And it's really about, for me, the fitness stuff is all about just building blocks, building things on top of each other, get rid of the pain. All right, let's get the flexibility. Let's get the mobility. Let's get the strength. Mm. Just, and then sometimes in life, you get set back a little bit. I played basketball a couple you know, months ago, and I pulled my calf. Now you're back a bit. Mm-hmm. You know, now you got to go address that. And then you gotta, so for me, it's all about thinking about the longevity of, of life. So a lot of my fitness regimen is predicated on showing up to live a long life. 
I want to be able to walk on both my legs for as long as possible. Um, I want to be able to, you know, enjoy this life in the vessel that I know I have right now. Um, and then nutrition is just, I can't even talk enough about nutrition. Even if I'm not working out, nutrition is what matters mm. ultimately because nutrition fuels the whole entire body. You know, what you eat. Uh, did you, I love the car analogy with food, you know, like our bodies are engines. Mm, yes. You know, and then what you, if you're either putting regular gas or diesel gas, that's going to determine how good this car operates. Mm-hmm. I really believe in that. Like nu- nutrition is, in terms of what I eat, I'm pretty, I'm one of those people who can eat the same thing over and over again. So yep, like keep same. maintaining a diet is very easy for me or maintaining a lifestyle of eating is very easy for me. Um, broccoli, chicken, you know, oatmeal, protein shakes, mm. things like that. I can stay pretty close to the line. I also am very like time efficient with eating. Um, but I do want to get into a creative space with like cooking and being able to like enjoy more flavors and like being able to like cook for others, that kind of thing. But nutrition is pr- by far more important. Nutrition, flexibility, and mobility mm. matter to me the most. Everything else is a compound. Got um, it. And I want to play sports for a long time. Yes, I agree Because sports that. is... That actually makes me happy. I don't want to be 50 and not be able to run a court, you know? Tough. It's tough. That's and I, tough I just know man. I'd be miserable because there's, no yeah. there's no other place that I get it off, you know? Like, sports is my thing. That is my one. People are like, oh, you know, I sing or mm-hmm. I do this or I do that. It's sports. sports. That's my thing. So if I can't do that, the quicker that ends for me, it's like almost cutting off a, hap- a happiness line that I depend on. Mm. Like I really rely on and watching sports to me only gets me excited to play sports. So it's not just the watching it that I enjoy. It's like the, the being able to take the, what I got from Mike Tyson yesterday mm-hmm. and being able to go do that in my own capacity. Right. So if I can, I don't have that relationship. It's difficult for me. It's difficult for me. Mm-hmm. I agree. Sports is huge. What do you do for your butt? I know, I know, I know you, you're, you're also a vegetarian. Right? Well, I've been on a journey. Yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah I've been yeah, okay. on a journey. I've been on a journey. So, as far as my nutrition goes, I am currently on the cusp between vegetarian and vegan. Mm. And the only thing that's kind of stopped me from making that change is I still eat things like honey. Um, sometimes I will have a cheese pizza, to be quite honest with you, um, but I won't eat meat. There's no fish. There's no chicken. There's no beef. None of that. And I've been out of that space for about two and a half years or so, two years. And Biggest difference. Your body. What do you say? Biggest difference. Biggest difference. Uh, well, first, the first thing that happened was I lost weight. Okay. And I know that's what a lot of people are fearful of, but I only did that because I was unprepared. I did not go in knowledgeable and wise enough to make that decision. It was very much on a whim. And I went actually pescatarian before I went full vegan and vegetarian. Sorry. But now what I noticed is there is a clean inside. I feel very clean inside, Mm. which is a very interesting feeling. I feel clean. I feel less pain in my body, overall pain. I feel clearer in the mind. There's less clutter. There's less fog. Cognitive like fatigue and And fog. The way that I notice that is it's post eating. So as soon as I'm done eating, how do I feel? Right. And one of the hiccups with eating is that we think we need to eat to feel full. Mm-hmm. It's like we're hungry, fulfill that need, fill it all up, overeat, which is unfortunately the way that we've been programmed now is overeat to curb that feeling so you don't feel hungry again because that hunger is a slight discomfort and you're not supposed to feel discomfort. Especially in North America. Quote, quote. Exactly. So part of the process of going from eating meat to eating vegetarian is that the meals are less filling in a way. Mm-hmm. And so you start to wonder, well, did I eat enough? So it's, it's a little bit of a mental space where you realize you don't actually have to eat to feel full anymore. And you really never had to in the first place. It was just what you were told. And so when I'm done eating, I feel great. Like I don't feel bloated. I don't feel like I'm about to explode. I don't feel tired because my body is using everything I'm, I've put in there. It's going to the right places. There's a ton of nutrients in what I eat now. My, that leaves my mind clear. And then if I have an abundance of protein, my body will want to get rid of that because uh, there's only so much you can process in a meal. So I'll go to the bathroom. And I'll take a poo and it's the best poo ever. You just comes out. I probably, if I was not fearful of what not wiping would look like, <laughs> I could just leave the washroom because it's clean. That's what I meant by the clean inside. It's just a whole process where I feel like when it, when anything tries to leave my body, it's still in a very clean way. And then if I eat something different, like a cheese pizza, 
everything is going wrong. Everything. I feel like crap. I feel tired. I feel foggy. Like it's instantaneous. So that's been the crazy part. So to give you kind of a big rant on it. Yes, I am vegetarian. No, I have not transferred to vegan yet. Some people call it plant-based. For me, it's, it's just what I eat. If there's things that I don't eat, and that's how I consider my nutrition. There's just things that I don't eat, uh, and that's it. Compartmentalizing it isn't really necessary. Um, and then as far as body goes, I still work out as often as I can. I'm kind of thinking that I'm going to get into CrossFit next and uh, animal flow. Okay. Animal flow movements. Those things are crazy. They're full-body workouts. That's kind of where I want to go next because there's a movement with it. It's mobility combined, right? It's not mm-hmm. just compound movements, bench press, deadlift, things like that. Yeah, right. So it's kind of more of a holistic thing. It'll improve my blood flow. It'll improve my joint strength, just that whole process. And through that, I'll still be able to do what you want to do is play sports when I'm older. That's what I want to do. I want to be able to throw my kid in the air when I'm 50 or something like that. Even if they're in their 20s, I want to throw them. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I want to have that strength and that stamina and be like those crazy videos you see where there's like this 90-year-old out on the court shooting hoops or kicking a ball around. That's where I want to be. Yeah. There's nothing more. To me, there's nothing more inspiring than when I go into a gym and there's an older woman or an older man and they look so they're still doing the same exercises we're doing. To me, that's where like I'm, whoo, and then that's they get, inspiring. They get on the court I'm with like, you. I'm like crazy. I used to play with somebody who was like that. We called him veteran and he would come on the court. He was by far the oldest guy on the court and he'd kill it. He'd destroy yeah, us. Yeah, I need that storyline. Yeah. <laughs> like I, I need that storyline. Like I, I love that. I love that too much. I want to be able to do it for as long as possible. Amen. As long as possible. So I think it's become evident that we're pretty passionate about our bodies, but we definitely need to move forward with the mind and the soul because those are priorities as well. So as men, for all the men listening, I'm sure you know, our mental health is a major priority. We struggle. It is a huge challenge for us. A lot of traditional stigmatizations, uh, so much so that we're three times more likely to take our own life. So A squared, how do you prioritize your mental health and why? I think the why is pretty clear Mm. um, with that kind of stat that you threw out there. I think that the why is um, very clear. But for me, what I kind of prioritize with my mental health is that I kind of notice that my mental health kind of dictates everything else that's going on. Mm. Like my mental health is a very clear indicator of like what's happening in my life. When things are kind of unraveling, starting in my mind first, I'm unraveling in my head. So what does that tangibly look like? Like give an example. So for me, tangibly, it's sometimes if there's I guess there's too much adversity coming at me or too much um, anxiety I'm feeling in my body and I'm starting to ask myself maybe more negative questions and I'm starting to like kind of like self-destruct. My external starts to show it Mm. and I start showing up in a different, I start showing up in the same body with a different mindset and it starts to fall apart. And then I need to kind of take a reset and take a reset, take a reset. And so Um, those are kind of the things that will throw me off my mental track is adversity one for sure. Um, when I'm in an area where I don't feel comfortable Mm. and I'm, I'm someone who always tries to seek better, 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 better. So I often find my place myself in places that I'm uncomfortable in. And so if it's too overwhelming, I'll shut it down. My, my, my mental start going away. And then if I start feeling things in my body in terms of like I'm going through life and I'm feeling things and I got nowhere to put it, nowhere to express it. So I'm holding on to it too, too long. And now I'm pretending I'm okay, but I'm not okay. Mm. Those are the areas where my mental health, I, I notice, can sometimes back up and then I don't have no clean. I, I feel like the good visual for me with my mental health is like the dishwasher is full and the dishes are piling up. There's nowhere to put any more dishes like so I have to figure out, okay, how do I wash the dishes, clear some of that out to make more room to handle and get more of a flow, mm. you know? Cause when things start getting backed up, that's when I'm like in a bad place, you know? So a clean room is a good way to think about it. When my mental is clean and it's clear, it can handle the, the small little loads. It can handle the little bit of adversity because the dishwasher's got space. It could take a couple plates, it could take a couple, you know, cups, wash that, get it out do it again, do it again. But when I stop take caring the mental, now I'm just piling dishes in and then they're over here and then it mm. starts falling apart. But what I've learned is, okay, now what do I got to do to start the dishwasher? 
Right. And that's what I was going to ask. You're a busy guy. You have a lot going on there. Like you said, you put yourself in dis- discomfortable, uncomfortable situations. Right. Discomfortable. Uh, and that's challenging, right? To mm-hmm. constantly get yourself in that space in order to kind of become more and grow. And with all that coming at you almost all the time, how do you prioritize it? By dish soap. Dish soap. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Prioritize. The tools that I've kind of picked up along the way, I'll tell a story. I'll share a story because it's kind of how I started this journey. When I went to Australia, I moved to Australia. Um, and you guys, on this podcast, you'll hear a lot about my traveling journey because that's where I had a lot a lot of my breakthrough moments, a lot of aha moments Interesting. When, I, okay. when I started traveling. So if you hear me referencing times when I was traveling, it's where a lot of stuff kind of settled mm. in mentally for me. But I moved to Australia and I get this new, I got a job at Lululemon. And at this point, I know Lululemon to be like a yoga place. You know, so I get to Lululemon, I start working there, and now you're kind of subscribed to taking yoga classes and stuff, right? You got to go you be a part of the culture, go see. They, it's always influential. You could do other classes. They're awesome. Lululemon, one of the best companies I've ever worked for ever in terms of like taking care of your mental, taking care of your body. I love their whole entire energy there. But I go to a couple of yoga classes and I'm not flexible, like at all, <laughs> zero flexibility. And I'm like starting to like seem the young athlete. I mean, I'm like, no wonder I was so, no wonder I never really got to a full touch. I can't even touch my toes. I can't do anything <laughs> like in terms of like flexibility. And so you'd go through a whole yoga session and it'd be done. And I was like, that sucked. Like I couldn't get into any of these pl- positions that I was being asked to. It was very uncomfortable. I felt very much like it was defeating. Like it was almost just showing me all the areas I lacked and not like, but then there was these moments of the quiet moment in the beginning when there's nothing going on. We're all just laying there and you could just hear each other breathing. And then like some of the, when you get into these poses, just like to hold it and sit there and stop thinking about what you can to just stop thinking your body is stretched out, but you're supposed to tell your brain to shut it off. I was like, I, I like this. What is this? What is this section of the yoga practice that I like? Mm. And then, you know, the yoga teacher would be like, I want you to meditate right now. I want you to meditate. I want you to meditate. I want you to meditate. And I'm like, what is this meditation? I think this is the part that I like, the calm part. Yeah. So then I started diving into that. And then it opened up a whole another world. Love that. I was like, oh, this is how you start the dishwasher. This is how you start. That's the this dish soap. Is, that's the dish soap. <laughs> but then there's levels of the dish soap. Certain dishwashers can only hold certain loads. And so the better yeah, right. you get at this thing... And I was like, oh, this is a lifelong journey with this practice now. Mm. And so I adopted yoga. I adopted meditation. And even when I was in the yoga classes, I still just liked the meditation side of things. And then I got into a little bit more of like the meditation side of the world. But that's definitely the number one way I try to, you know, keep my, keep my dishwasher working and keep my dishwasher operating is meditation for sure. And how often do you feel like it's necessary? You know what? I'm, I'm going to say I'm a bad meditator in the sense that I only use it when I'm in times of stress. Okay, got it. Instead of using it like as a way to maintain, you know, I'll, I'll turn on the dishwasher when it's piling up. Right. Versus just, just always wash it, man. Just always. Why don't you just wake up every day and meditate for 15 minutes right. and just maintain, you know, kind of, kind of like as if you, if you were to maintain the lawn, then it doesn't ever get out of control and it doesn't ever feel like if you just mow the lawn every month, and the grass is good. It always looks good. People come over. It's always that neighborhood versus letting it get to a point where people are like, that lawn is looking crazy. Then you mow it. The mowing the lawn is the activity of meditation, but how it looks and how it shows up, you don't know who you're going to be when it gets out of control. Right. You might as well just control it every day a little bit, a little bit, a little bit. So that's my goal right now is mm. I'm trying to work towards getting a daily practice, trying to work towards not just using it when I need it, but using it as a pre- like preventative measure. That's definitely the path that I'm on right now. Mm, but I are, like that. Are you are you a meditator? You meditate? I've been meditating for a couple of years now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When I got into meditation, it was through an app called Calm. Yeah, yeah great app and for those listening. Absolutely, great start. Yeah, it's a beautiful space because it's guided, it's calm, and actually, my favorite part was the sleep stories. Mm. So, if anybody has the app, the sleep stories are crazy. I think they got Matthew McConaughey on there now, reading to you before bed. I know that might be weird that I'm listening to Matthew McConaughey. No, he's the sleep. man. But He's got a great voice and it calms you down. And so it's just, it's a really cool space. So I started with that. And then over time, I slowed down. I became inconsistent with it. The thing with mental health I've noticed and my own mental health is that if it's not consistent, you don't often feel the benefits of it. It's a slower process than it's, I think, said to people. Everyone thinks that, 
for example, gratitude, when you express gratitude, it feels kind of good in the moment because you're kind of seeing something in your life that you feel grateful for, but then that feeling kind of goes away Mm -hmm. and it's gone. And then tomorrow, if you don't do it, you just still don't feel better. Like nothing has changed. But then over time, when you are practicing gratitude, for example, for your mental health, you start to realize that you look at something out of nowhere and you're like, that's a beautiful plant. And then you're like, in your head, you're like, wait a second. That actually felt really good. And all of a sudden you're grateful for the plant. And you're like, why the hell am I grateful for this plant? This plant has nothing to do with my life. But over the course of time, you are training your brain to start seeing the things that you're grateful for because your brain knows it's going to come back to this notebook and it's going to have to write those down. So it's starting to acknowledge those things in your life. So with anything mental health wise, proactivity is the most important thing. Though I used this analogy way back in the day where if you have a bouquet of flowers in your house, right? And, or, or a plant, a nice little tree in your house and you're, you're taking care of it. And then life gets busy and life gets in the way. And all of a sudden you look and the tree is, or the plant is dying. It's starting to brown and you're like, Oh, I should probably water that plant. So you water it and then it starts to grow a little bit and it feels better and it perks up. And then sure enough, because life has gotten in the way again, it starts to die again. So every single time we're waiting for that plant to show us that it's dying in order for us to give a shit about it and for then to water it. And that's how I see my mind is if I leave it alone for too long, it will sabotage me. The tyrant mind will come and sabotage me. And so I need to be proactive. So even if I don't feel like I'm in a bad mood or I'm overwhelmed, I'll go for a walk because I know that will help me in the long run and today. It's a double, it's a double win. And it's that consistent practice, right? Proactivity is huge. If we're not proactive, we're reactive. And when we're reactive, we open up the opportunity for our shadow to come out because we're just waiting for the opportunity to react. So anything could happen at that point. And we have to combat that versus if we were always walking into something with our highest self, we wouldn't have that shadow come through because we're walking in prepared. We're walking in ready to go. So I could walk into a difficult meeting after three weeks of meditating and feel great. But if I didn't, I would be waiting to respond to what's going to happen around me rather than knowing what I'm going to do walking in that door. Yo, I resonate with that so hard. That's, that's, it's so well put in that example too of when you, you can physically see that something is dying, you like get attentive. That's what we do. That's what we do. That's literally what we do we, for our body too. It's like, oh, I'm sick. I'm going to go to the doctor now. You know, oh, like I lashed out at somebody. Like what, what? And then the question is like, what was really bothering you? Because that person didn't even say much. Mm-hmm. You just like got off for right. no reason. You know, what's the deep? But these are just all these moments of if you, if you feel like you're quickly triggered or if it's one of those things where it's like, if you can get control over that, then if you're maintaining it, you're just so, you're less off balance, mm-hmm. you know? You know when things are like hanging on a thread? That's how I kind of feel like we, but, but it's our mind we're doing it with. Exactly. <laughs> like you don't want to be hanging Probably on a thread. Be something you're doing. <laughs> with your mind or your mental. Because the, the, the consequences are, are huge. Mm-hmm. Torn, re- broken up relationships. and mm-hmm. um, Yeah, it could, be, it could be huge. The consequences could be big. So if there's one thing you could leave everybody with in the space of the mind, mm. what's for you been either the most influential or the one that you feel could support men in this space the most? I'm going to, I'm going to double down on meditation, mm. but I'm going to, I'm going to throw in a little, uh, like a, a little piece of a little nugget with meditation. You have to not compare yourself to the best meditator. It's not what it's about. It's, and when you get in there, there's, there's you're going to feel this immediate like resistance in terms of be still. And you're like, I can't sit still. Like, <laughs> yeah. and it's, it's really like it, what they're trying to ask you to do and what you're doing sometimes are so off base, but it's the journey and the trajectory of being able to slowly see that thought for what it is and put it where you want to put it. Like, it's not about meditation is going to, isn't going to make your how do I put it? It's not going to make your life directly better. It's going to make how you deal with life better. Mm. It's not like adversity goes away because you meditate. It's not like problems go away because you meditate. But when problems show up, who you show up to that problem does change. Right. 
and that's so just be patient and find that i guess the the one thing i would say is even if you don't want to meditate or um just find time in your day at the end maybe i like at the end but if you like it in the morning that's totally cool too but just find 15 minutes or 10 minutes of your day where you do nothing but just see what's going on in your mind just get off your phone just sit and just like feel what's going on in your mind because usually your biggest problems will be circling like crazy and start just solving problems for the mind and not for the world Mm. just solve the mind problems like your mind is triggered by certain things answer some of those questions and just every time you sit down you'll new things will come up and just address them lightly I feel really, really broke. And like, I got all these bills coming up and like, what if that's what's going on through your mind at nighttime when you're sitting there, well then just let's think about like, what's one actionable we can take from all these thoughts that I can move to tomorrow that can lessen the anxiety a little bit, mm. or lessen the pressure. Mm-hmm. And then that, that living on the edge starts to like level out because the problem comes up. You're like, but I thought about this problem. So it's not a problem anymore. I've addressed mm. it. Either I can do something about it or I can't. And I'm cool with it now. Mm-hmm. It's in my control or it's not in my control. That would be mine. Beautiful. I love that. It's very much the concept of slowing down to speed up. What did my basketball coach used to say? I used to be, he used to say something so amazing. What is it? Oh, be quick, but don't be in a hurry. Mm. Be quick, but don't be in a hurry. I used to love that because it is still implied getting it done. But he's like, hurry implies that you're, it's sporadic. Being quick implies being very calculated and very methodical. It's agile. There's a purpose to the movement. Hurrying is almost like running around with the with your head cut off like a chicken in the kitchen, you know? Exactly. Kind of what exactly. that's like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think meditation allows you to be quick and not hurry. Love that. Yeah. Beautiful. Uh, for me, one thing that I do often, um, and often I mean pretty much every single day, I have some compassion and grace if I miss it, but is uh, I have a double journal. Uh, so I journal before I go to bed and I journal be when I wake up. So I do it twice a day. I call it my personal power journal. And I do that to wake up with gratitude. So in the morning, there's three prompts. There's actually four now. I do, this is how I'm feeling. Because as men, we don't often take into account what the feelings are. We're so focused on fulfilling something else. So I recognize for myself how I'm feeling. It started out as, oh, I'm good. (laughs) And now it's like, it's three sentences at least of like just what's going on because I'm starting to realize good just didn't sound good anymore. You know, uh, then it's gratitude. Then it's affirmations. So I reaffirm what I believe to be true about myself and what I believe I embody. So I've actually transitioned it to thank you for, because I am already those things. So if I feel like I'm a courageous person or I am brave, I'll say thank you for the bravery. For someone who's listening who doesn't really know what affirmations are, give, it, there an exa- give me an example. What's an affirmation? Give me an example of an affirmation. I am powerful. Affirmations are I am statements. That's how they're traditionally known. So I am powerful. And you say when you say I am, you are reaffirming to yourself it. exactly that that's exactly what you are and that you have always been. So it's a way to move forward with that power, knowing you are that powerful, rather than constantly negotiating with yourself on if that exists or not. I like that negotiating with yourself. So then this I am space removes that. And then you take it to the next step and you say, thank you because now you're, it's almost like it's already been gifted to you. It's almost like a gift, not even almost. It is a gift where you say, thank you for the bravery. Thank you for the courage and that levels levels. And all of a sudden you're like, Whoa, that feels different. Thank you for, thank you for, wow. That means I've been given it already. So it's a little bit of a power move, which is why I call the personal power journal because you're reaffirming your own power. And then the last one, I um, got this from the holistic psychologist on Instagram. She has a future you journal and it says, today I will shift my pattern of blank to blank. So today I will shift my pattern of, let's say procrastination to productivity. It doesn't have to work well with words like that, but you understand the concept. We're going to shift out of a pattern that we know isn't necessarily healthy or we don't really enjoy. Isn't serving you. And replace it with one that does serve us. Exactly. So it's kind of just, it's allowing some sort of focus without really creating a bunch of goals. Because then all of a sudden we're stressed. We need to accomplish. We're moving. It's just, it's moving in a hurry. And then at night, there is the, I call it the night light. Because you know when you wake up and you go to the bathroom and there used to be the night light that supported you in, in, 
not waking you up, but just getting to the bathroom and back. You live in a deep mine. <laughs> <laughs> you live in a deep, deep So this is my night light because it supports me with my sleep. Okay. And so I will do four things. Something I did for myself today. And if I don't have an answer, I'll know tomorrow I'm coming back to this question, which means tomorrow I have to do something for myself. Second question is moment of bliss of contentment. I do that to recognize the moment that I actually really enjoyed in my day because it always exists. There's always a moment of calm. There's always a moment of grace or compassion. I just need to go and find it. But we're so quick to move on to the next day that everything that just happened in that day is literally forgotten. If I asked a lot of you listening to this right now, what did the last three days look like for you? It would be really difficult for you to find those moments because they're lost. Outside of that, after that, I do um, uh, three things I'm grateful for, but from that day. So not in general anymore. The morning is general. This is from that specific day. Again, analyzing the day. And then the last one is also analyzing the day. And this one is the most important, self-praise. I write those two words, self-praise. And then below that, I write as many things as I can from that day that I can or should be praised for. That I maybe wasn't or maybe I was. So it will be things like I got this goal done or I'm filling this journal out or I woke up early or I went for a walk. All of those things can be included, but that's the starting point. The level that you can, should take it to is I was feeling so goddamn anxious today, but I was able to pull through and get this done. Those are the moments that we deserve the praise for. And those are the moments we forget, but are still impacting our mental health and will impact our sleep. And so if we can bring those to a close, if we can bring the day to a close, a final moment, then we allow ourselves to have the sleep to ourselves. If we go in cluttered, that brain doesn't stop moving when we go to sleep, it affects our sleep. So we wanna slow that down, create a calmer space, and just relax. Yeah, it's easier to sleep when you know the dishes are clean. Exactly, exactly. Just saying, this, dish, this dishwasher metaphor is lit. He's killing it. He's absolutely killing it. Wash the dishes before you go to bed, man. Wash the dishes. You sleep better. So, Kyle, I know I, um, I've told you about writing. It hasn't been my strong suit in life. And I've wanted to get into journaling. And all that sounds amazing. Mm. But a bit intimidating. I'm not going to lie. That sounds like a lot of questions. That sounds like homework. Sounds like a lot of us, though it's personal homework and it's probably worth it. Yeah. What would be like if for the listeners and the people that are at home that just heard you that were like, good for you, bro. That sounds like a lot of work, though. How would you introduce this into somebody's life? Like someone like me, for example, I'm not into writing. I want to get become a better writer, better writer. What would you say? What would you say? How what's a good starting point to get to that level that you're you're at. That's amazing. I think with anything like including the meditation, the consistency is going to be the most important thing. Mm -hmm. So out of everything that I do with my journal, I think that all the basic starting point always is gratitude. So if you're going to do it, but you don't want to do it to this level quite yet, because you haven't got into this practice yet. And because you're right, there's about four each four in the morning, four at night. It does seem like it's a bit of a task. Now the task is for your mental health. So the task probably it, over time, it grows to become something you know is incredibly important. But coming back to the question, uh, just gratitude. So I would just open up a journal or a piece of paper. It, honestly, you don't even need that at some point. Just take a moment. Just stop in the morning and stop at night and say, what am I grateful for? What are three things I'm grateful for? So three things every morning, every night. Every night. Start every morning, every night. I, if you're going to get into the journaling space, then write them down. Just write three things you're grateful for. And they're probably going to start with, I'm grateful for my family. I'm grateful for my mm -hmm. friends. I'm grateful for my dog. Yeah. They're probably going to start with those things. And that's beautiful because those are things to be grateful for. And what that actually does is just triggers you to be like, oh, wow, I'm actually grateful for my family. That's weird. My family pisses me off. I'm grateful for them though. Interesting. Starts to flip the narrative. And then it'll build into more deep things. Like I'm grateful for my warm ass bed I just slept in. I'm grateful for the roof over my goddamn head. Mm. I'm grateful that I woke up today. Things like that will start to, to, to show up. And then once you get consistently into that practice, introduce the other questions. How am I feeling today? How, right. What's my affirmations? Simple. I like that. I like that. Yeah. I, I think you touched on it too when you said that like when you start writing those things, 
because you've been writing the same things over and over again, you almost start to look for other answers. And that's dope. That's super cool. Mm -hmm. I like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So coming out of mind, we're going to toss into soul. We're going to do some soul work a little bit. Reminds me of Remember the Titans. Mm. I love that movie. Such a good movie. Oh my gosh. There's some soulfulness in that movie. So in regards to soul, this one's aha, a little bit of a territory for some people. They think soul. They don't really believe in the concept of soul and or spirituality or spirituality or uh, a belief in a higher power. It's a, it's a complicated space. Where do your spiritual beliefs lie? I'll start with where I began. Mm. I li- I grew up in a very religious household. Um, I grew up Muslim. Mm. Um, still am. And my journey has kind of been a little bit more to impress my parents at first. So I wasn't really bought into religion for myself. And I think that there's that might not that might be a common narrative out there where you start to do things because of your surroundings. Um, but my beliefs and my spirituality and my soul are with God. Pure and simple, outside of religion, outside of mom and dad, it's just with God. It's with it's with Allah. So for me, I've always felt that it was very clear that there was, because it was so prominent in my household, it was hard to, like, I didn't have enough information to talk against it as, as it did to just join it. Mm. So it was very, it was easier for me to just get with it than it was to, like, say, I don't believe in that and I don't believe in this. And mm-hmm. when you're going through a lot of problems when you're younger and a lot of my family was just very much like, you know, be thankful for, you know, like when things go wrong, thank God. When things go good, thank God. Mm-hmm. Everything is happening for you, not against you. But when you're younger, you just, it's hard to accept it. Mm-hmm. You know, you think that you're in control. You think that you know what's going on. And if I did this, this should be the outcome. And this cause should lead to this reaction. Um, but where I like the spirituality language of it is, and actually, you know what? I'm gonna throw it back to you first before I get into kind of the spirituality. Where, where's your, where's your beliefs? Do you have? Are, are you religious? Are you? Did you grow up religious? Are you a little bit more on the spiritual side? Are you? What's your journey more like? Well, let me. I might actually end up countering with the question just to kind of lead into my question. Okay. Do you believe that you are religious, right, or faithful? Who. I, oh, because for, for me, religious, yeah, and I could be botching this definition, but from my perspective of it, especially growing up, religious is a restrictive lifestyle. Okay. And I say restrictive only because there are certain elements that you're just not allowed to do. Not that it's a bad thing, it's just what comes with the concept of religion. But faithful for me is believing in something bigger than yourself, believing in a higher power. You're, you're, you're holding faith to that mm-hmm. space that doesn't restrict you, that if anything empowers you. Mm-hmm. Which space do you feel like you find or is there another word you would use? The way you've kind of defined it, I would say 80% of me kind of lives in that faith space mm-hmm. and 20% of me lives in that religion space, mm-hmm. but not to say that I would move toward more of that religious space mm-hmm. as I continue to figure myself out. Mm-hmm. I think that some of the, some of the things that I perceive as restricting now are just because I'm trying to figure myself out. So it feels a little bit more like you're going against the grain, mm-hmm. but I don't think that religion is very black and white like that. I think mm-hmm. it's pitched to us like that. And that's what the problem is, right? is that it's pitched. Like if you don't do these certain things over here, then you're not a part of that religion. Mm -hmm. And I don't, I think religion is a journey. I think Mm -hmm. spirituality is a journey. And as long as your faith is intact, that's the one thing. And I'm not saying you need to, if you don't, that's cool. Talk about for myself. Mm -hmm. As long as my faith is intact, that I can slowly start to work towards the, 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 I don't even like saying restrictions because it's not, it's the way of life of a religion. Mm. Um, And then you kind of can religion kind of those restrictions kind of brought me in but my faith is what keeps me there. Mm. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's this belief that I'm connected to something that's bigger than me that I can, I can show gratitude and grace and gratefulness mm. to. And um, so that's kind of my, that's kind of my journey. And I really do lean on, I would say if you're talking about like, are you spiritual? Are you like deep in it? Everything that happens to me, everything that happens against me, it's just, thank mm. you, God. Mm. So coming back to your question for myself, as far as where my spiritual beliefs lie, growing up, 
I had uh, a space where Christianity was forced into me at a time. It was aggressive. I was uncomfortable. Uh, it got to a really bad point. This was coming from uh, a space I'm no longer involved in, but I went to church, which wasn't really my, my choice. It was just there, but it was only one side of the family that was doing that. The other side wasn't, you know, it was obviously split parents. And it got to the point where I just didn't want to go. I didn't understand the concept. It wasn't for me. I didn't feel comfortable. Uh, really, the only time I enjoyed myself was, you know, the Sunday school when you go and you play games downstairs while everybody's upstairs. And then you get old enough, quote, quote, to go upstairs. And now all of a sudden you're like, what's happening up here? This is different. So I had a really bad relationship with anything other than just what I considered reality. And then over time, as I grew up into being an adult, I realized that there were some beliefs that I had, some morals and values that were starting to form that were what I consider the divine, the divine being higher power. Mm -hmm. And so where do they lie now? I believe that there is a higher power. I believe that, like you said, everything happens for us, not to us. And I believe that... The way I phrase it is I usually just call it the universe. The universe as an entirety. I consider it just the universe. And for me, I just have a difficult time still with saying the word God because that's mm -hmm. what was pressured into me. But I believe that they're pretty much one and the same. A universe, God, any name out there that we've labeled, all of that is a higher power. Mm-hmm. So it's just the label and the culture that comes with that. But all of them believe in something bigger than themselves. And so I think that's where the disconnect is of feeling that they're so different. And so why pick one when really it's just, you can just say higher power or you can just say the people above. I don't, I don't know, right? You could say heaven. You can say whatever you want. The premise is that's not the point. The point is, do you believe that there is something bigger than yourself in this world? And have you asked yourself that question and are you willing to go through the work to, to find that for yourself? Because mm -hmm. it's different for everybody. Like you said, you call it God, I call it universe. But we're not over here being like, that's wrong, bro. That is not the same thing. Because it is. It, it Literally, it is. It is. Because what you feel about what you call the thing and what I feel about what I call the thing is the same. Mm. It's it's a belief. It's a feeling. It's it's that place you go when... And the, the most extreme example you can give is that like... And I shared this with you yesterday uh, a little bit is, you know, Kobe Bryant passes away, right? And when he passes away, it's we're, we're, our outrage is to the, to the universe, to that thing. How cruel is that? How could you do this? You, you took know? him from you us. You took him from us. You're, you're, How you're, could you? it's all outpour of this, you know, negative expression to this thing because we're so in pain, right? I want you to just challenge yourself and think about if you flipped it, that situation on its head and Kobe Bryant was in the hospital and he was sick, what are you now doing? You're praying for his life. You're praying. You're praying to the thing to, to get him back. Please, we need, please, everyone is, we're all, so that duality of going back and forth between this thing on a quick of a dime like that to turn on it when it's against you and to turn for it when you need it. My relationship with that feeling is what I work on when I talk about faith mm. is can I be the same person when the coin is on this side or when the coin is on this side? Right. And, and, and not losing trust. That to me is what faith is. That to me is what the belief is, and that to me is what you, you, you're, you're connected to. Mm -hmm. And when I say I'm spiritual, what I mean by is I'm very connected. I'm plugged into that right now. Mm -hmm. There's been a while where I pulled that plug out and I said, I'm not here for that. I'm I'm running the show. There's nothing there. That I'm doing things. I'm moving things around. Mm -hmm. I'm getting this job. I'm I'm landing that client. I'm doing the things. Which is what I call the 3D, the physical world. Right, exactly. I'm, I'm running this physical Absolutely. world. Right? And that's when I haven't been as spiritual. That's when I'm like, screw the parents, man. Screw what you guys are saying. I'm going to do me. This doesn't even make sense to me. I pulled it out. Mm. But what you realize is that 
even though I'm pulled out, I'm still seeking help when I need it. I'm trying, <laughs> I'm trying to plug in every once in a while. You know, I'm hey, yo, 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 I'm yeah, sick right now. Yeah. Get me better. Or, you know, I, I just, I just applied for a job. Please give me the job. Please give me the job. Like I'm trying to, you know, all, all that picture of someone smacking that. No, no, you don't plug in when you want. So right. it's a commitment. You got to just plug in and stay in. Not just when it's convenient for you. Exactly. Exactly. And my relationship with this, this plug-in is better now because I don't take it out as often. Right. I leave it in. I just, I just trust it. I just, I just try to trust it and believe it as best I can. And that's where spirituality, that's what I mean by spirituality is, am I connected or am I disconnected? Mm. And it's okay to pull out sometimes to figure yourself out, but just know who you are when certain things go this way or this way. That will tell you if you're spiritual or if you're not spiritual. Mm. If you never seek out anything, then, then you're probably not spiritual. So uh, in my language, again, language is used uniquely, so it's not super important on how you word it. Uh, it's just about knowing that it's either there for you or not. It was funny listening back to your story when someone is sick across the world or we want to pray for somebody, we're like sending you love, sending you health. And it's like, how do you think that love and health is getting there? How do you think it's getting? You're sending it. How? <laughs> Big facts, honestly. Are you mailing mailing it? Are you writing a letter? Like, how are you? How are you thinking that gets there? So you're saying these things out loud, or you're typing them with your unconscious intent that something above is going to take that love and hopefully plant it in that space, so things are okay. Which is why collective prayer is so powerful, regardless of across where you are in the world. So on, just in that front, you believe on some level that there's a higher power. Now, I'm not saying that is exactly true for you. Maybe it's not, but just it's recognizing the things where you said it, when it's convenient for you, when you choose to use it, sometimes you don't even realize it. And now you're like, oh, wait, maybe I do believe in something bigger than myself. And you can kind of move forward with that. But for you, in regards to the soul space, for me, it's uh, uh, finding a balance between the 3D this reality, you yep. know, this physical world, finding that balance between the physical and what I consider the divine of the universe, finding the balance between those two worlds in order to live as fulfilled and cohesive with the world as possible. For you, it sounds like it's similar, right? Mm -hmm. one, would, one would say when you are out of that balance, where do you usually lean the most towards if you're out of balance? Oh, that's a good question. I think when I'm out of not to help, but where do you find when things are not going well, what are you focusing on the most when you're most stressed, most anxious? Mm. I would say, I would say the 3d world is where I'm focusing most because I ultimately think that the higher power is just here to help guide and navigate, but I still got to drive. Mm. I still got to drive. It's not, I, I don't, I don't, I don't believe in blind faith. Mm. That's what I don't like the, the whole idea that I'm just going to sit here and it's going to come. I'm not, I'm not here for that narrative. Mm. I, I think that like you need to be doing something and there's a lot of stories in, you know, in religion, there's a lot of stories in my religion of, you know, the universe or the higher power will help you only if you're helping yourself first, mm. only if you're putting yourself in those positions, only if you're seeking, trying to be better or trying to. So for me, my effort is focused on the 3D world because that's ultimately what's going to allow me to get to my losses quicker or get to my, my successes quicker. Mm. I got to, I got to move the sticks. Now the, the outcome of that is not in my control. So I can't focus on the outcomes. I can only focus on effort. Mm. So that's why when you ask me where do I focus on my effort is my effort mm. literally. And I try to not control the, the consequences or, the results of those efforts. Mm. Um, I, I think LeBron James has the best. He talks about this all the time. He talks about living with the results, putting it all on the line and living with the results. And to me, when I hear living with the results is living with what the universe gives you for that. Mm. Effort. It's, very, it's very much like there's a, there's a, a hope and an intention of an outcome, but there's not an expectation. There is when it comes and it happens, I did my best to have this intention with it. And the intention was, let's say to serve people, the outcome is whatever ends up happening in regards to serving people. And then that's the feedback loop for you. Right. Take that information and now go back with the same intentions with a different strategy right? or a different approach. And it all kind of comes back to a common quote that I'm sure a lot of you heard of, but we'll say it here again. We are not human beings having a spiritual experience. We are spiritual beings having a human experience. So that kind of relates to what we've been speaking about with our beliefs in spirituality and souls uh, is that 
there's a balance, right? We're spiritual beings, but we're still having a human experience. So we're here, it's in the 3D world. We have to find a way to be the best in that space too. But again, coming back to the original statement, we are still spiritual beings. And we often disconnect it and saying we're just humans. And then to add to that, you're just a man. I mean, like if we're going to tie it back to why we're here, mm-hmm. why we bring this all up is at the end of the day, all these things that you're feeling, all these things that you're suppressing, all this, like, all this, this world that you're trying to morph into your own, just at the end of the day, go to bed knowing you're just a man at the end of the day. You're just a man. You can just do your best. Mm-hmm. So stop trying to control every narrative. Stop trying to mold everything into do your best but just understand you're just a man. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. What do you do to take care of your soul? What's one thing you do? Pray. Mm. Pray. Mm. That's beautiful. What about yourself? Uh, I ground often. Ground. Yeah. And physically in the earth as often as I can. So I'll go out and I'll sit in the grass or on the dirt and I'll physically touch the earth. And that, realigns me with what I believe is the balance between my physical and my divine. So to wrap up today's episode, as always, we leave you with a PQ for next week's episode. So this is CK with a PQ for you. Today's question is, are you an alpha, a sigma, or a beta male? Which one do you feel like you resonate with more? Which one do you feel you've heard the most about? Think about it, and we'll answer that question for you next week. Fellas, 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 thank you for joining us on another episode of the Modern Masculinity Podcast. If you haven't yet, please download, subscribe, leave a review. But most importantly, if you took any value out of this episode or you enjoyed this episode, please post and share with your close family and friends. You can follow us at our online IG account, which is at Modern Masculinity. Make sure the C is a K. Remember, we're trying to represent the mask that men wear. So at Modern Masculinity Podcast. You can also follow us on our private socials. Mine is at Coach Kyle Rushton. And mine is Anwar Ahmed 4. And uh, any kind of post share that you do helps us kind of build this community one listener at a time. So we appreciate um, all your efforts. And remember, we're here with you. And we are standing tall beside you in this arena of misunderstood masculinity. Until next time, peace.